0: Would selling your product or service be easier if you could read people's minds to know what they're thinking? Sound impossible? Today's guest, Dr. Jean Hurlbert, says it is possible, and she's going to tell us how.
1: She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner.
0: Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know, but somehow should, or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks, wrapped in one and on steroids.
1: This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by... Business Mo LLC.
0: Dr. Jean Hurlbert is an expert in survey research, social networks, and big data. She specializes in getting information businesses need to ensure continuous process improvement and to transform their marketing. She earned her undergraduate degree from the College of William and Mary, where she was elected to Phi Beta Kappa, and her master's and doctorate at the University of North Carolina. Yes, she's smart. She also served as faculty at Louisiana State University for more than 25 years, teaching social science students and marketing students how to read people's minds with surveys. Now she applies that same academic rigor and technique to help companies meld research and marketing, bringing big data strategies to business of all sizes. She's the co-founder of Social Proof Doctor and the co-founder of Marketing Roadmap, Her clients include the Tony Robbins Company, Cox Media, six New York Times bestsellers, and many more. Jean's been featured or quoted in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the LA Times, USA Today, Oprah and Friends, NPR, and again, many more. She's very, very accomplished, and it is such an honor and privilege to have her join us here today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Jean. Thanks so much, Hannah. It's great to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Oh, The pleasure is all mine. You know, the subject of big data is fascinating, but it also sounds overwhelming. What do you mean when you talk about big data?
2: Well, big data is is an umbrella for a lot of different things that go on. What big data refers to fundamentally, as most people use it, is the kind of predictive analytics that has become uh, more readily available for businesses as computing power has expanded. And so we can simply crunch data, quantities of data, and crunch data in ways that we could never do it before, so we can test all the different permutations of data. And that does bring with it a lot of complexity. But the, the simple fact is what businesses really need is not necessarily big data. It's not something that needs to be overwhelming. They need the, the right data to make decisions. And one, one of the things we see is that, that C-suite executives complain constantly that they're overwhelmed with too much data, and yet they say they lack the data they need to make good decisions. So that's a real marker that we need to sit down, we need to look carefully and say, what is it we really need to know, and get those inf- that information and put it to work, whether it's you know, fancy predictive analytics or it's simple statistics that tell us what our customers want and when they're happy.
0: All right, now this is gonna sound really dumb, but how do we know what it is we need to know? Some people feel like they may know it already.
2: Absolutely. And many, many, many businesses feel like they know it already and and there often that's a fatal flaw. What they need to know fundamentally is two questions that most businesses can't answer. And those two Most unanswered questions in business are, number one, what do my customers want? And number two, how well am I doing in giving them what they want? That's really the bottom line uh, for most businesses. If you know that, you have gold.
0: All right. So in a way, it sounds like it's an indirect way of differentiation. Does that sound right?
2: It's actually a direct way of differentiation because if you're getting data that really let you understand who your customers are and then you use those data effectively, and you make sure that you're constantly giving them what they want, you know, that they're, they're satisfied and they're loyal, then if you have that, then you have information your competitors, for the most part, are not going to have. And so that's a key differentiator. And, and the fact that you bring up differentiation is obviously very important because Harvard Business School tells us that's one of the biggest predictors of business success is being able to differentiate yourself in the marketplace.
0: I think there's another study out there. What is it, uh, Peter Diamandis? talking about 40% of Fortune 500 companies are going to be out of business in 10 years. It, will this right. be something to help them?
2: It is. Um, what what that, stati- that statistic actually comes from uh, the business school at University of Washington, St. Louis, I believe. And Peter Diamandis quotes that frequently. And th- that statistic is a real marker for the fact that we live in an age of incredible disruption. There's a lot of volatility, and obviously that is a threat to businesses, but at the same time, it's also an opportunity because anytime you have that level of disruption and volatility, opportunity is going to abound. And so what you need to do in this age of disruption is figure out how you can differentiate yourself And one of the things that's going on right now, one of the trends we see in the midst of that volatility and disruption is that businesses are becoming more customer-centric, more customer-focused. And one indicator of that is the fact that we're seeing the rise of a position called the CCO or the Chief Customer Officer. We go back to 2003, I believe there were fewer than 20 Chief Customer Officers worldwide. And by 2015, more than 20% of the Fortune 100 and over 10% of the Fortune 500 had put a chief customer officer in place. And the chief customer officer's responsibility is to understand customers at a deep level and build relationships with them. And whether a business has a chief customer officer in place or not, it's incumbent upon them to do that if they're not going to be one of those 40% of companies who will be out of business.
0: That's interesting. So it sounds like this chief customer officer is a blend of sales and marketing?
2: They obviously have to have a handle on both of those things, and they're going to have an impact on both of those things. But I think it's a little deeper than that. The chief customer officer's role is to get those data, to answer those two key questions we talked about at the beginning. What do they want and how well are we doing in giving them what they want so that 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 relationship is built? And I think part of what we're seeing in our society right now is there's a real bifurcation uh, of companies. There there are some companies who really exceed in understanding their customers and connecting with them and providing extraordinary customer service. So, you know, we see companies like Softblast fly their planes all the time Um, And then at the other end of the continuum, we have companies that really don't do so well. And so if I'm giving a talk and all I have to do is mention the cable company, and I can see everybody in the audience pretty much cringe because most cable companies are notorious for not providing good service, not understanding their customers well, not connecting well with their market. Um, And and so I think we, we have an opportunity really to excel by doing what that chief customer officer Um, Contributes to a company.
0: All right. so how, in your opinion, because you've seen so many businesses, how should a business go about finding out what their customers want? Where do they start? Well,
2: it's really relatively simple and and what you need to do is typically to use something like a survey because anecdotal data are not going to really answer the question And, and just monitoring what's going on. I'll have some market research people jumping down my throat as soon as I say this, but it's not enough just to monitor what's going on in social media because it's not going to give you a systematic picture of who your customers are and what they want. To get that systematic picture, you really need to survey your customers and you really need to do it well. And so what you need to do then is to really craft questions that figure out what it is that keeps people up at night. And and doing that well is part art and part science, but it can be extremely effective, and the return on the investment tends to be very, very, very large. And so what needs to happen then is you've got to make that investment and, and get that information. Once you have those data, you have something that is indeed absolute gold. Because once you know what keeps your customers up at night, now you can orient your products and services, your marketing directly towards things you know they care about. Content marketing is extremely important in business today. And the biggest reason that businesses don't create content is they don't know what to create. But if you have a list of what the top five concerns or challenges or goals of your customers are, if you really know what's top of mind for them, creating content is simple because now you can create a content calendar on those five topics And you can create a lot of different kinds of content. So the the benefits and the
0: payoff of doing this are enormous. All right. So now let's say you know what your customers want. And you're using that information to create, as you say, a a marketing calendar. In, In working with clients, what have been some of the biggest aha moments they've experienced once they get this data?
2: Well, one of the big ahas is that it, it, I honestly, I have never delivered these data and not delivered surprises because no matter how well a company understands their customers, no matter how connected they are to them, this is always a surprise. And, and one of the challenges that I have when, often when I'm working with a client to get these data is that when we start out, the client wants to frame it in terms of, of what's keeping them awake relative to what we provide or relative to what we we give to them. And honestly, that's too narrow. What they need to understand is just writ large, at its core, what do my customers want? And that's true whether it's a B2B business or a B2C business. Because once you understand that, now you can frame everything about what you're doing in terms of, of their biggest concerns. And so we've got to get out of that mindset of just, asking about it in a narrow sense and ask about it in a broader sense and that's what would give the utility to this
0: okay now what about those startups that are offering something that customers don't even know they need what advice would you give to them
2: it's the same it's the same answer it it it, when you're talking about whether they know they need it i mean uh, Yeah, what you're alluding to, if you go back to, I think there's a there's a famous quote from Henry Ford that if he had asked people what they needed, they would have said faster horses. Right. Um, But what they want at its core is they want to get places faster, and that's what the car helps them do. So if we can understand what their goal and challenge is, the startup that has something they don't know they need, it's it's that thing is only going to succeed if it meets a fundamental problem or challenge that they want things easier or they want things faster or whatever it is. So it's it's the answer is still getting down to the core of what it is their customers want.
0: Okay, but for the startup that doesn't have any customers yet, who would they survey?
2: That's a little more of a challenge. What they have to do then is they have to figure out what their target market is. If they're a B2C business, it's relatively easy because there are ways to go out and engage panels now. So you can, you can basically get a market research, uh, 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 research panel company to survey people in your demographic group, in your target market. And we've done that for clients a number of times. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be your own customers as long as you can get people that are representative of your target market.
0: All right. Very good. Now, you talked earlier about the, the second question. I mean, the first being what do customers want? But the second key question being businesses finding out how well they're doing at giving customers right. what they want. Right. Tell right. me more about that. Well, that's that's critical.
2: And getting that information isn't as simple as a lot of businesses think it is. I mean, a lot of people think you can, you know, grab SurveyMonkey and throw some things together and it'll all be fine. It, it, this is where the art and science really come together because there's, there are certain key things that businesses really need to understand. So there's some people who argue that Net Promoter, you know, the the, the what has been called the ultimate question, or how likely are my customers to recommend me is all you need to know. It's an important thing, but I don't agree that it's the only thing you need to know. Because what do you do if your customers aren't happy and they're not going to recommend you? If all you have is that global question, you don't know what to fix. You don't know where you're falling short. And so we're going to argue that, that you need overall questions like Net Promoter. That's one example. Overall satisfaction. But you also need specific questions um that'll that'll let you hammer into where they're happy where they're not and the reason for that is that if overall satisfaction is high those specific questions can still show places that you need to tweak but if overall satisfaction is much lower or somewhat lower than you would like it to be those questions are critical because without them you can't get continuous process improvement you can't fix the things that are bothering your customers and go where they want you to go. And so that becomes very, very important. And the other thing that we think businesses need to do in these surveys is they've got to get in there and take opportunities to gather marketing collateral while they're getting this feedback. So one of the big benefits of these kinds of surveys should be that not only are you ensuring continuous process improvement by keeping your finger on the pulse of your customer sentiment – but you're also gathering things that you can take out and use effectively in your marketing to increase conversion and retention.
0: How long should a survey be? Because I know I've opened up email surveys and it's like, are we done yet? <laughs> you think you're trying to help them out. And then 20 minutes later, you're still answering questions. What in your experience is a, a nice balance?
2: It's got to be within six to eight minutes, in my opinion. And it needs to be 80% closed-ended questions and no more than 20% open-ended questions. People don't like open-ended questions. They make you think and they make you write. And so you need to make it very user-friendly. You just made a very important point. You said, I was taking the survey to try to help them out. And that's not how we want our respondents to work with our clients. We don't want our respondents to feel like that. We want them to feel like they're helping themselves. Because just as in marketing, the fundamental question is what's in it for me? It's the same thing when you're essentially marketing a survey to your customers. These are the people with whom you have a fundamental relationship. These are the people on whom your business depends. So that survey that you feel that you send out needs to be framed in terms of a benefit for them, and it needs to be of a nature and a feel that it will enhance the bond with them instead of undermining the bond with them and All too many surveys that are being sent out by companies undermine that bond because they're not user friendly they're not about the customer, and it really feels like give us the information we need to make more money. That's not a survey that's going to enhance the bond with your customer, and it's not a survey that's going to get the data you need.
0: So there's really quite a few moving parts here to make a survey successful.
2: There are a number of moving parts. There's
0: um, how you motivate the respondent. There's how you
2: frame the question. There's framing questions and ways to get you the information you need. You know, there are a lot of, you know, part of the science of it is there are a lot of things that you don't ask that you don't ask in certain ways. All of those sorts of things are part of this as well.
0: Now I've heard you talk in the past about a feedback generator. What exactly is mm-hmm. a feedback generator? The feedback generator is a set of questions that I just referred to that are are
2: designed to tap into customer satisfaction and customer loyalty. And the reason I say both satisfaction and loyalty is that satisfaction is a necessary but not a sufficient condition for loyalty. Satisfied customers can still walk, and so we want to tap into both. And with the feedback generator. We're going to have measures that tap overall satisfaction. We're going to have measures that tap specific satisfaction. We're going to include what we call a testimonial generator, which is where we get testimonials with permission to use them right inside the survey, and that's extremely effective. Typically, we're going to include what we call a referral generator. Those referrals are gold because they let you reach deep in your target market at virtually no cost. And we're also, in some cases, going to include the opportunity to generate ethically generate online reviews for a business. So that feedback generator can do a lot of different things. And again, it's giving the information to ensure continuous process improvement, but it's also giving the information um, that will let you have marketing collateral.
0: And this is a survey that's done in six to eight minutes? Yes. Wow, that's impressive. It's, it's about being pretty efficient in how you put things together. I see that. And the marketing payoffs are, are multiple.
2: The marketing payoffs are multiple and they're enormous. So we just delivered for one of our clients a few weeks ago, we delivered, I think it was about 850 testimonials that their business has permission to use and they were thrilled. In fact, when we went over the data, we delivered the testimonials to them. We went through the satisfaction data and what this company does is they, they do programs for talented kids and they knew what they did was effective and they believed in what they did. But when we went over the data on the phone and they actually saw how not only how satisfied but how enthusiastic the parents and the kids who went through these programs were and they really realized what a difference that they had made because now we had documented that difference, the owner of the business was actually getting emotional on the phone. I mean, he was just so moved that he now had evidence in his hands that he really was making a difference in the lives of these kids and these families. And that was really powerful. But now he can take those data out and he can use those data to attract more kids and more families so he can make a a, a bigger impact and a bigger difference. And we love doing stuff like that.
0: And ultimately, that's all what it's all about, right? Helping businesses serve their customers better so that they can have a bigger impact.
2: That's right. That's right. And I like to tell a story. Um, I grew up in in a small town in North Carolina. And I grew up in a town of 200 and a county of 9,000 in a farming community. My father was a country banker. And he knew everybody in that community. He shook the hand and looked in the eye of everybody who came in the bank. And he was an, he was extremely effective at what he did. He, I can remember him helping people, you know, helping one guy to build a house when no other bank would give the guy a loan. Um, and at the same time, he actually had one of the best loan ratios of almost any bank around. And the reason was because he did know the people. So he had what we would call business intelligence now. We just didn't call it that back then. And so what we give to businesses is a way to do exactly what he did, to know who he can take a chance on and who we didn't, to know, you know what your customers want and need and when they're happy and when they're not, So we're just giving a a way to do that in a context where people can't necessarily shake the hand of all their customers.
0: But it's giving them information that lets them make a more informed decision. That's what I love about this. Absolutely. Jean, you've done an amazing job here explaining how we can gather and leverage data to grow our businesses. I, I really appreciate that. But I'm curious about what data points have guided you in your career path is there one influencer that you could share with us that's been pivotal in your personal growth? Um, Well, I think, you know, I just told
2: the story about my father. I think that was a big one because I think really watching somebody who really felt that business was about serving people and that you had to understand people in order to do that, um, who really understood how to build that bond and connection with people. I think that had a big impact. And there's a reason I talk about that when I speak because, um, it's a great model and and the ability, I think there are too many businesses who think that the ability to do that has, has you know, sort of died with the 20th century because it did.
0: So really applying this applies to any size business. Is that fair to say? It absolutely does. We've worked with
2: everybody from, from very small businesses, uh, up to, to
0: $5 billion companies. That's quite a range. <laughs> it's a big range. Well, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much, Jean, for sharing it with us. Now, your offices are in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Is that right? That's correct. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to do that? Um, they can. I have a, a, a page up.
2: Uh, if, if they go to conciergecustomerservice.com, if they want to get in touch with me, uh, they can fill out information about themselves and their business, and I'll be happy to get back with them. That's probably the most effective way.
0: Wonderful. Excellent. Thank you. We'll also have links to that on the show page about how to contact Dr. Jean Hurlbert for her episode here on businessconfidentialradio.com. And that address again, of course, is businessconfidentialradio.com. In the short time that we've got left, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners about survey strategies? I think what I'd really
2: do is just encourage people to, to to make this part of your toolkit, it's it, basically what you want to do is build a system so you're constantly getting feedback and data from your customers. So once you build that system, there's a little investment up front, but once you build that system, it's a system that can keep working for you and reaping benefits. So it's not the case that you know you've got to do a huge research project annually. Just build a little system and get the information, and then it'll work for you and continue to to produce profits for your business.
0: So then this would be working on a continuous basis, weekly, monthly, is that right? Well, you don't want to survey,
2: you probably don't want to survey your customer base that frequently. You can set it up with autoresponders so that, you know, you survey your customer base and then every nine months there. When we work to B2B clients, a lot of times what we do is set it up so that customers are surveyed every nine months after the initial survey and then about three months after a new customer comes in because you don't want the engagement to run too long before you get some feedback. Um in the B2C space, it's, the structure works differently. What, what I think we, we need to get away from is the idea that you have to survey people every time they go to Office Depot or every time they buy a cup of coffee. That's just, it's driving people nuts and it's hurting the process, it's hurting the feedback. And so what you do is need to be very deliberate about thinking about, you know, this is a sample and thinking about what kind of information we need and what the frequency needs to be, because it's not all about us. It's not all about the business. It's about the customers, and it's about building a system that works for you and gives you the information you need, but builds the bond with them.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Every nine months, like having a baby. I like that. I can remember that. (laughs) Gene, thank you so much for taking the time to share these pearls of wisdom. These have really been fabulous, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate them. It's just been a real joy and pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Hannah.
1: Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, brought to you by Business LLC.
0: Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website again is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential Now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.